0: Granddaughter. Well done together. Nice recovery together. It's like you had telepathy going on. They're a lot of like you know. Turn on my mic. Turn on my mic. Colossians, please. Children, you're slipping out. It looks like to children's church. Okay. All right. Colossians three. Thank you for all the good music today and all the good singing on the part of the congregation. Under the heading or the title of this message, I want you to put uh, a note to yourself, maybe, if you wish, the phrase, or two words, part one or part Roman numeral one. Um, because... We will not finish this. In fact, the second message to this uh, will probably be the third message to this just because there is so much to be said here. We're looking at verses 12 through 14. I'd like you to take a moment and look at them in silence. Hmm. Wonderful verses. And the verses that just could not pertain to just any entity on the earth. The fact that some organization gets together doesn't mean that they are capable of what we're going to study here. The fact that a husband and wife get together, have a score of children, doesn't mean that they have the capacity to, within their organism, to exercise the things that we're going to study here. point that I'm trying to make is what we're looking at, and what we have been looking at all the way back to verse 1 we're risen with Christ verse 4 he is our life verse 5, we need to consider ourselves dead to wickedness verses 8 and 9 you have the phrase put off twice and a, a list of things that need to be put off, stripped off as a toxic garment uh, an acidic garment, something that will do us harm. And then, he interjects, and it's not a a partial interjection, it's not a mindless or random interjection, verse 11 that we looked at last week, that these things are true, that this new man that is created in the one who created us in the first place, created us in innocence, wants to, in the image of Christ, Move us back to what he created in the first place. He wants everybody to understand that that new man can be you, whether Greek or Jew, nationality, circumcision or uncircumcision, push away all ritual, barbarian, Scythian, those are lowly people. With God there is no, there's no group of, uh, banshees in a in a jungle that cannot become a new man. fact of the matter is the most uncivilized group of people on this planet are a creation of God. Their state of, un, their state of uncivilized is because they worship the creature more than the creator. So they run around with no clothes on with a brain that's as good as yours. They shoot each other with poison tarts. Don't think that's not happening. Of course it is. Why don't they just get their gun? They don't have a gun. Can't they make one? they got a good enough brain to make one. But they shoot darts at monkeys and eat their brains. And you go, what's wrong with those people? They must be some low life form. No, they're as intelligent as anybody on the planet. And they've they've gone away from the image of God, not toward the image. Rejecting the Christ that could save them. When the gospel is taken to people like that, they become the new man. And we have missionaries throughout the ages that can tell you, I went into a very uncivilized group of people. They are some of the most learned, biblically learned, biblically astute, gospel-seeking people on the planet now. And by the way, they're all wearing clothes. Hmm. So there's hope for Washington, D.C., had to say that. They're intelligent people. Take the gospel to them. It will change them. It can change them to new man. It doesn't matter if they're a barbarian or a scythian, and those are words that just, you know, from a social standpoint, people might push them down or think that they are too low to become the new man. Bonder free. Bonder free. No, not that's not the person that's out of jail versus the person that's in jail. Remember, said this last week. Remember, the household of the primitive church would regularly include servants. Some of them servants for life. A concept that we can't grasp, but a concept that was regular for them back then. So this new man crosses all lines. Anyone can be be the new man. And he just said, put off, Put off in 8 and 9. Then in verse 10 he says, and this is the way your outline starts, put on the new man. It is Christ in you that can work that new man into his image again. He created you first. He created man first. And again, he crosses all lines. Now we go to verses 12 to 14. It may take several messages to complete this. Focus as we go. There are phrases that might just jump out and grab you by the collar. Put on therefore. There he says it again. Put on that it is within the capacity of the human of an everyday saint of God. No. A person in some organization and no. A family without Christ do not have the capacity to put this on. They must first accept Christ as their Savior by faith, then they are capable of putting on these things. Put on therefore as, get this, elect of God, holy and beloved. Now we need to stop for a moment. You need to understand, first of all, the elect of God, holy and beloved, are terms of endearment. We're going to talk about that more with the next message or with the next group. You can see there's a whole group, whole listing of things that need to be put on by this church in order for us to function rightly. There isn't anybody. Bu- um, this is not self deprecating. There isn't anybody in this place that needs these verses more than I do. There's thousands of mercies. Come on, Pastor. What are you doing? Pick it up a little bit. Put this on. But before we go there, we need to understand that Paul says, I have some terms of endearment for you. I want to draw you back to this. When he says, elect of God, holy beloved, it's like you talking to someone you love a lot, uh, a husband to wife, a wife to husband, talking along, talking along, and talking along, and then just blurting out, sweetheart or honey You can feature Jed doing this on a regular basis. Honey. Sweetheart. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. His wife is laughing. She wants to laugh out loud. But you know what we're talking about. Grandma does this, you know? Grandma's talking to you and talking to you, and she says, honey, 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 lover, 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 sweetheart, sweetheart, sweetheart. sweetheart." What did my grandma call me? Not head, not head, not head. Terms of endearment. And he interjects them, but you need to know they were led of the Holy Spirit, elect of God, elect of God, beloved. He calls them beloved and he calls them holy. Now he's referred to them as holy before in a previous chapter. He talked about the love that they have among them before. But now it's as though he's getting their attention. I want you to understand who you are. That elective God, holy and beloved, they they go together. They make you what you are. And he is moving from all that he's been saying to what he's got to say to uh, groups that are very, very precious to God. The Christian home and the New Testament church. And he's aimed, I'm certain that Paul in his heart and in his literary style knows that he's going to be going to, look at verses 18 and following, he's going to be going to wives, husbands, children, fathers, servants. He is going to be speaking to what somebody, a a church father, if I can use that term, of days gone by, many years gone by, they called them the home codes. Home being the operative word. That God wants in the church these groups of, this group of, of items to be put on. They will greatly help the church. Any church, every church. So this morning, I texted Nick, who is speaking at First Baptist Church in New York City today. Pastor John, Nick is speaking. So I texted him and I said, Well, Lord bless you as you bring the word to the flock. He came back with, speaking to the fact. That the Word of God, the Gospel of God, draws us together in oneness, in unity. Hmm. So it is a pertinent message in a First Baptist church in Colorado, and a First Baptist church in New York, and a First Baptist church on the other side of the world in China. Because we are elect of God, and without faith, we don't fit into that elect position. Without the faith that brings us to him, we don't fit into that. Because we are holy, it isn't for a group of people that are unholy, that are without Christ. And because we are beloved, God loves his people. He loves his flock. He loves his children. Let me remind you, side note here, when I speak to you, I'm a child of God like you are a child of God conveying the message from the father. I am not the father. Some of you in your homes have had one sibling try to correct another sibling, and you heard in the other room somebody saying, you're not dad. You're not mom. You can't tell me what to do. And that's pretty much the case, kids. Got it, Bethany? You're not telling Michelle what to do. Dad will do that. It's not your place speaking on Bethany because we're like kindred spirits and so it is with these things as I speak to these I need it too this is the message from the father to the children he loves us very much we are and I'm going to go into more detail on this later when he uses these three terms elect of God holy beloved you need to know this we're going to actually look at scripture related to that next week But you need to know this. These three descriptions were given to Israel in the Old Testament before they were given to the Gentiles in the church. These three, God offered them all to Israel. He offered them, but He didn't force it on them. There are times when in Israel's history it looks like they weren't beloved of God at all. But the fact of the matter is, a true father will chasten his children betimes. That's Old English. A, a, a father that really loves will not spare the rod. So he did that to Israel. Didn't look like they were beloved, but he still loved them. And he offered it to them so that they would reciprocate, and there were times when there was no reciprocation. They were not only not loving God, they were pushing him away. And many of them were saying, We're not sure you even exist. And some of them today say, You don't exist. What is the opposite of love hate no opposite of love is apathy, treating you as though you're not and that's what they're doing he off he the descriptions applied from God toward Israel and he offered to Israel they only truly pertain to Israel if Israel would exercise faith. so in the midst of this whole group of people. God would pick out certain ones who He knew had that faith while the rest of Israel ran away from Him. Whose fault was it? God's? No. Did it look like God was being partial? No. It was their fault, not God's fault. They ran away from Him. And so, with us, these same Titles, elect of God, if we're born of God. Elect of God, holy and beloved, they pertain to us as saints in the church today after we have received him by faith. And these three descriptions should lead us to the qualities of the new man. So now back to your verses. Let's look at them. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, saints, put on, therefore, as elect of God, holy, beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, Hmm. humbleness of mind, Hmm. meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another one another. Notice they are two different phrases. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye, and above all things, third time, third time, put on charity, which establishes a bond of perfectness, which is the bond of perfectness. These are qualities of the new man. We can't deal with all of them today. We'll deal with them as as many as we can. Look back at the first one. He says, put on bowels of mercies. Now, that is not the way we would say it in 21st century. We might just say, you need to be more merciful. In the church and within your Christian family, children, back up, wives, fathers, wives, husbands, children, fathers, servants. Within the Christian family, be merciful, we would say. In this church, this church needs to show mercy one to another. We would leave the bowels out of it. It's just not part of our thinking today. We don't think that way, unless you're a nurse or a doctor. And then you might go, well, we have to talk about that all the time. We are constantly cutting people open and looking at their innards. Well, the point is this. The word bowels was ancient. It was for 2,000 years ago. And the word bowels is the same as you find in other scripture, the word rains. The rains. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to look at the scripture. The rains. The rains. And understand, these were translations from Koine Greek to 1611 English. In 1611, they would say about the intestines, they would call them the reins. I've never called them that, but you'll read that in Scripture. In In an update to that, they would call them bowels. And we almost never use such a term. We might say intestines, but they're not talking about that. Go all the way back in the language and what the ancient Greeks understood was that the core, right down here, we use that a lot, don't we? core that the stomach somehow somewhere down in here was the seat of all emotion and now we can say yeah that makes sense to me I've said I had this sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach I was very excited I had butterflies in my stomach there's a man right there that's going to Houston to to attract meat this week right do you ever get butterflies? Do you understand? By butterflies, are they butterflies in your eyes? You talk about butterflies in your toes. Do You talk about butterflies in your fingernails. No, you talk about butterflies in your tum-tum. You're basically saying, there is the seed of my emotion. And sometimes we say, it thrilled me in here somehow. That's the reason for the word bowels here. And then he says, so think about that. Think about that. Saints, Christian homes, local church. He wants us to put on from our emotions, from our innermost person, mercies. Mercies. Notice it is plural. And because I didn't give you all of this, or maybe I did. Yes, I did. Bowels of mercies are the God given instinct to compassion. Instinct would be the word. Instinct. You might think of a better word than that. Instinct kind of sounds like animal. I realize. I couldn't think of a better word. It is a God-given instinct, a, a, a propensity toward compassion, pity, and grace. And some of us just don't have that. In fact, some people on the planet don't have it at all. I think I've used this illustration before. I was listening to some some uh, missionaries that had found some tribes in the mountains, the Sierra Madre of Mexico. Some Indians way back up there. And they got among them and started witnessing to them, and they found that they, like our early American Indians, did not have a word for mercy. Because if it's your enemy, show no mercy, kill them, and then cut something off of them to show that you beat them. And we think of scalps immediately. But old world American Indians, just like these new Indians, didn't think along that line. Old world American Indians didn't just take scalps, they'd cut an arm off, a leg off. Every single soldier at the Battle of Little Bighorn, which is a creek up in Montana, every single soldier except for Custer had something cut off of him. A leg, an arm, an ear, a nose. All the little children from the Sioux and Cheyenne village down at the bottom of the bluff where all these men were killed had to run up there, were forced to run up there and cut something off. There are stories about those children throwing up. They couldn't believe they were having to cut something off of a human being. But they were doing that to show no mercy. It was because they did not have the term mercy. I use that illustration to say that's how extreme it can get. That's how extreme it can get in this world. It ought to be the stark difference for believers. There ought to be compassion within us. There ought to be pity within us. There ought to be grace. And you know somebody like that. You know somebody like that in this room. Somebody that's very given to bowels of mercies. It is within them to to be horribly harmed by another person in the Christian home or, or in the church or even out in the community and turn around and say, well, the poor person, they probably just are having a bad day. Where you and I might honk our horn at them in merciless anger toward them. Remember the anger that we were supposed to put off, former verse, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, We're honking our horn, and the wife, who is full of mercy, is going, now, they might just not know where they're going. They might be looking for a street sign. Show them some mercy. I see a bunch of wives smiling. Oh, how they'd like to poke their husband. Bowels of mercies. Well, why should we show these things? Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. I don't want to over-belabor these things. Over-belabor? I think that's redundant. Second Corinthians 1. But I do want us to focus on them because once we leave them, we leave them. We move on. And as we move on, we move on into the family. Wives, husbands, children, fathers, servants. And we better take all this with us. The family is no place for anger, wrath, malice. The family will be absolutely ruined of fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections. Be stifled. That's going to go on. And the family cannot be what it ought to be if we exercise no bowels of mercies. Why should we show this? Well, in your notes you've got this. Because our Father is the Father, our God in heaven is the Father of all mercies. Second Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, is He? Yes. By the way, the Lord Jesus Christ was His only begotten Son. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us all, all of us, in Him would all nations of the earth be blessed, who comforteth us with all in all of our tribulation, That we may be able to comfort them, which are also in trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves were comforted of God. Now, if you go back in the reasoning of these verses, you could say that Paul is reminding them: there was nobody that affronted God was more of a a harm toward God than I was. I was a horrible sinner. And God had every right to show me no, show me no mercy. But talk about the father of mercies. Not only does he love toward me, he sent his son. That poor wretched sinner down there is going to hell. And he has no way to get to me unless I send my only begotten. Talk about mercy. And then he goes on to the Corinthians. He says, you need to show that same thing. And if you know the whole story of the Corinthians, the horrible things that were going on, divisive things that were going on, that he was talking to them about in the first book that he writes to them, by the time he writes 2 Corinthians, which is probably the third or fourth book he writes to them, based on what we know of Corinthians, by the time he writes 2 Corinthians, he is ready to say, all right, now it's time for me to comfort you. I had to go off on you because of what was going on. And now it's time for you to start comforting one another because what you were doing is a divisive church, all of you on your way to heaven, all of you God's beloved, but what you were doing was you were harming one another with your divisiveness. They were, they were doing such things as taking one another to court. When they would sit down to dinner, the rich people sat over there and ate all their food, and the poor people sat over here and they ate little or nothing. They were making it like a pagan love feast that would go on in the temples around them in Corinth. And instead of showing compassion and pity and grace and drawing everybody together uniformly, as was happening in the first church in Jerusalem, they were pushing one another aside. And they needed to be reminded God is the God of mercy. He showed you the example of mercy. Now you show that to one another. Second, go to Philippians. A second example, a second reason for this mercy, these bowels of mercies that we need to put on. uh, Philippians 1 and verse 3. Paul writing to another church says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will continue to perform it, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is appropriate, it is appropriate, it is meet, appropriate for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, talk about mercy and grace, inasmuch as both in my bonds, he writes this book from jail, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace, verse 8, for God is my record, how greatly I long for you in the bowels, of Jesus Christ that great compassion that Christ had is passed on to us who does he write this to he writes this to a church who did he write the former one to he wrote it to a church who does he write bowels of mercies to in Colossians he's writing it to a group of believers who are first made up of groups of homes and so your point is this why bowels of mercies because of its value to the church you'd fill the blank with the word value because of its value to the church. Mercy within the church is so important. Caretaking one for another. And it got to the point with the Philippians, if you can feature in your mind a map of Greece sticking down into the Adriatic and Aegean Sea. Map of Greece. Go north from Corinth and Athens. Go north, 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 and you get to what is now being called again in the 21st century, they're calling it Macedonia. Hmm. Under Rome, or Russian domination, under the Soviet Union, they abolished that word. But they're called Macedonia again. You go a little bit to the east and you come to the town of Philippi. Hmm. And you know what Paul writes to another church? He writes, I need to tell you of the wonderful mercy, kindnesses, that just flow out of those poor people up there in Macedonia. They don't have anything, but they gave me what they did have. They scrounged around until I had something to take to the relief of other believers. Talk about bowels of mercies. And some of us struggle to just give a little time. Some of us struggle to just send a, a caring email or a text. Some of us can't find time to get on our knees and pray for somebody else. To run over and help somebody else. Somebody out. So, we come to the next one. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Again, we are speaking to the bowels of mercies. Why bowels of mercies? What is important about them? Because our Father is merciful. Because of its value to the church. And now... James 1 and verse 27. Pure religion Hmm. and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Did you really want to know? Did you really want to know from a scriptural standpoint what is worthy of our committing ourselves to? That's what religion is. Religion isn't a box where people meet on Sunday. I had somebody this week call me a religious person. I certainly hope so. But it's not because I go to a white building on Sunday and sing songs. Religiosity starts in here someplace. And anything can be any man's religion. And there are people that are very religious about the monetary materialistic things of this life. There are people very religious about their physique. There are people that are very religious about their wardrobe. There are people that are very religious about their bank account. Pure religion to God is this. Look at it. Help people. Show mercy. Show kindness. Show pity to people that have a need. That's the phraseology. You take it back to the original languages to visit the fathers and widows, fatherless and widows in their affliction to look around you. Expand that thinking to Jesus telling the parable, maybe the story of the Good, good Samaritan. And don't think lost people don't know that. They even put Good Samaritan on, on advertisement. Be part of the Good Samaritan. Oh, this is the Good Samaritan Hospital. You might go, oh, what is a Good Samaritan? And they might not know, especially in this late day, because they've never been to church. Good opportunity for you to tell them about the Good Samaritan and that God, God, because of what his Son did for all mankind, considers everybody his neighbor, everybody in need, and everybody needed a Redeemer. So he sent his Son because he's the Father of mercies. He blesses the church because it's of value to the church. And now at this point, it attests to the reality of what we believe. The word reality would go in the blank. Mercy and just letting ourselves out like that. Bowels of mercy. Having an inner person that pities, shows grace, shows compassion, pours themselves out for other people. People in need in particular. And sometimes their need is not monetary. No, they don't need a dollar. No, they don't need a million dollars. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need you to give them some time. They need you to hear them out. They need you to stop by the house. They, they need you or I to, to go into the community and help them somehow so that we are a blessing to them. Take the lawnmower over there and mow their grass for them. And we need that within the Christian family and the church. Siblings, you do that one for another. In a few verses, it will be saying, children, children, children. Fathers, you do this for your Children. Wives, you do this for your husbands. Husbands for wives. Fathers, fathers. Mercies toward your children. Church, one for another. Put on bowels of mercies. Let's go to the next one. It'll probably be the last one for today. If you need to, go back to Colossians 3. Put on, therefore, elect of God, holy, beloved, bowels of mercy, and then kindness. Once again, I fill the blank with a word that comes to my mind. You might have a better one or a synonymous word that works better for the blank. For kindness, it is this. The temper of mind. I use the word temper. You say, that's a negative word. No. We say bad temper, but the temper of mind, the, the way the mind is geared, the temper of mind that produces Happy interaction. Produces happy interaction. The word kindness is the best translation, I understand, of the Greek word that was given. And the reason for that was Paul, when he was writing, was talking to a church as though they were family. So the English translators used the word kindness, and yes, it is Old English. It comes from the word, the first three letters of kindness, which are kin. Hmm. And you've used that once in a while, once in a long while. The people in the mountains of Kentucky, they use it all the time. Next, the people that live in Missouri, they call it kin folk. You know, in Texas, we're talking barbarian Scythians. Just kidding. Texas, they call them kinfolk. We know what we're talking about. We're talking about family. So they used the word kindness, and it was a very good word to translate to English, because that's what Paul was talking about. You show a temper of mind that brings happy interaction. And so I thought, where do we go in Scripture to best state that? Well, you go all over Scripture to best state it, and the one of the best places to go would be the, the Psalms. And so I start going through the Psalms and I go, that one would be a good one. That one would be a good one. And so I didn't give you any on your paper, did I? I'll let you put the the scripture you want along with this one, Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Speaks to our example of kindness, that example being, well, the God spoken of in the very first verse. You're in Psalm 63. We'll look at verses 1-7. through 7. O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul searcheth after Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see Thy power and Thy glory. So as I have seen Thee, in the sanctuary. Because, here it is, thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Back to the verse, loving kindness. Loving kindness is showed to us by our Heavenly Father He draws us in He sent His Son to make us family again We were alienated from Him He said I want family and I will do what is necessary to get family I will send my Son and if by faith they'll accept Him I will have my family back And He does what He needs to do to to bless that happy interaction to make it better You know people that you are around where you're going, every time I'm around them, negative side. They make me sad. Or they make me agitated. Or they make me angry. You know people, on the other hand, that are kin type. They are like God in this regard. Because every time we're around them, we come away smiling. We're happier than when we went. We're joyful because of the kinship, kindness. Now, kindness will outlay in some some way. Kindness will show itself overtly some way. But a lot of times, it's just being near them. It's just being around them that makes, uh, makes them so, so special. And they become both a glue and a catalyst to the glue in the home and in the church. And the Bible just told you, put that on. It's a direct command. Put on bows and mercies. Put on ca- kindness. I heard this on a, I was listening to CD this morning. Music, music on Sunday morning. It's good for us all, listening to it. And this phrase, can you remember what song it's from? Because I can't. I wrote it down real quick in our notes. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. I'm seeing it. Blessed be the name. Blessed. Ah, there it is. Blessed assurance. Thank you. How did you come up with that so fast? Good for you. Filled with His goodness and lost in His love, kindness is shown to us by the Heavenly Father. Thousand mercies are shown to us by the Heavenly Father. And then he commands us, church, to have both of those. We're on number three. The third one is humbleness of mind. You might take some time between now and next Sunday to meditate on that one. Humbleness. If mercy comes from in here, why would he suggest that humbleness comes from up here? Humbleness of mind, it's in the scripture. That's where we'll start next week. Good to be with you in the church. Let's pray together. Father, because these things are commanded to us to be put on, they must be very important to you. Because you love the church and the home so much that you would give these directives, they must be very vital to the right kind of home and the right kind of church. I ask that you would take these things, separate in the hearts of every person here the things that you are speaking from your spirit to their heart from the things that a human just said a side note. I pray that all of us as your children would grow in mercy one toward another to show that we have put that on even in our community. That lost people know that someone around them is a merciful person. Help us also to put on that kindness that makes it so that we just cannot help but want to be together, that we look forward to being together in the family and in the church. And when I think of, uh, Lord, of so many of these families that are growing up and will, before we know it, be gone different directions, it's so vital from you that all of our memories of family be the fondest of memories because of mercy and kindness that was shown within that family. And if, if that's true of our church, church families, it will be true of this church. And we know that that's what you want. So in Jesus' name, we ask that you would bring this upon us. Bring it into our hearts and not let us forget it until it is a habit of ours to put on bowels of mercies and kindness. We thank you so much for making us thy elect, making us thy hagiònar thy holy ones, setting us apart unto you, sanctifying us. We thank you so much for making us your beloved. We know also then that that should be seen plainly in our new man. Bless as we go out. Uh, bring glory to yourself in our final song. And Lord, I, I always, always want our congregation to know that if there's someone here without you, you a savior, that they are, they are called salvation by you and they're called to salvation by this church we all want them to come to know you we pray that no one would leave without salvation if there's someone like that today in jesus name amen